Well, welcome to so far two thirds of the three R's. We're still waiting on uh, Raj is joining us at eight o'clock, and it started us live. But Robbie, the the Robbie fan club is already out in in in, in mass. Well, uh, I'm joining you guys from uh, our, my satellite office in uh, beautiful Panama City Beach, and so there's a little bit of the backdrop that I've got going on here, uh, but taking some time out of my vacation to spend time with you guys. Um, I don't know if Barry James is worth much of a fan club, but hey, if he's number one in my fan club, then uh, I'll go with it. Uh, he's he's the first one up uh up up on the chat tonight was Barry James. So uh, look at this. I learned I learned a new little feature. Uh, uh, Robbie, I can uh, I can now add things to the chat. I can bring up messages. What's this little thing here? Uh, can I see the chat? Is is it? Yeah, it should. Yeah, it should come up. Hold on. Oh, look, at my, look at my screen there, right above. Yeah. Right, you you ought to be able to see me now. See the chat from Barry. So. I see it. Uh, uh, I guess Raj is uh, on his way. Let's see if we've got him. Yes, we do. We got Mookie. May, uh, Mookie. Oh, let's just get him on here and figure out what he's trying to say. Last name. Not the Meta. <laughs> but I'm trying to work yeah, something uh, like There you there go. There, there's our boy. Yeah. There is our guy. What's going on? We only had all day to get this set up, but you know, whatever. Wait till the last minute. Little league, bro. But yeah, <laughs> I had one of these earlier for a company-wide gender and diversity panel, uh, but it was via my computer. So this is on my phone. So I'm not sure. Uh, that's what I was trying to figure out. But whatever, this will work. Hey, hey, look at look, look, look! I'm I'm doing the uh, mini Randall right now. Like it's not quite grown out as as much, but it's about as gray, and the color's coming in nicely. That's like Randall's have, bubble. Have, Randall's yeah, bubble. I haven't shaved in a, a week, just sitting down here at the beach. I, I look this tacky even when I'm supposed to be going to work, so it's okay. So I, I'm with you. Uh, but welcome to Three R's Sports. It took us a while to get going tonight. Uh, how how did your son's baseball game come out, Raj? He did well. He did well. He uh, fielded a few at third, made some nice plays. Uh, one for two. It's a little rusty, but once he got that elbow back and swing through, uh, he popped one up. Which at his age, all the parents gasp because it's likely to knock a kid out or hopefully not kill them. So. But it landed, and he scored, so that's cool. Awesome. Did you have to pitch? I did not, thankfully. I, I had third and uh, kind of the baseball-ready coach. The guy keep the kids from sleeping on the ground. All right, so we'll get started. We've already sent out the agenda. Robbie's on vacation. Raj is just coming back from the park. So let's open up with our very first question, and we're going we're gonna to come off hard at you, Raj. You had sent it in the uh, group text. What's up with the Dodger bullpen right now? Ah, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's, Danton already blew a save, and if we didn't get that ring last year, I probably would have already been pulling whatever hair I have left out. Uh, but, you know, they have a, they've done a low-risk, high-reward signings and like Brandon Morrow and then Corey Knebel. I can never say his last name. Blake Triton, all former like closers. And right now, you know, they're saying that Jansen can, I mean, he's hitting mid nineties on the cutter and it was moving, which was nice, but yeah, it, I think it's going to be bullpen by committee. I think it really will be, um, you know, Mookie hasn't been playing a lot lately. Another concern, but, uh, and the West looks pretty tough, but, uh, point is fantasy wise, you know, Jansen's not what he used to be, especially for a team that could win a hundred games. So, uh, Robbie, you know, is the Dodgers got enough to win the World Series even without their bullpen being stellar? So, so the Padres had a no-hitter over the week, and we're talking about the Dodgers' bullpen 10 games in. <laughs> but, hey, I'll, I'll say this. You got to earn it, eight, San Diego. You got to earn it. 
Yeah, for real. I lived in San Diego for five years, and the Padres are so overlooked. Um, but uh, hey, Dodgers are eight and two, best record in baseball. And one of their losses was with Kershaw on the mound. Hey, uh, yeah, I would have zero concerns moving forward if I was a Dodger fan. Um, it's going to be a well-oiled machine. They've got the most talent. They play in a tough division. The Padres will push them all year long, which is going to be good for the Dodgers, I think. They will be in some – and not to mention San Francisco, that rivalry there. There's, that's a heated division. Um, but they've got the most talent and injury uh, injury plague is going to be is going to be an issue because we're seeing that in the NBA now where players are getting hurt because of the short season flipped this new season. But I, I would be resting my head easy if I was a Dodgers fan, if the bullpen's the least of my worries sitting there or the most of my worries sitting there at eight and two right now with the best record in baseball. Now, uh, you did bring up a point, though, uh, and, and I don't know if everybody's seen it, but it, Tatis got injured, San Diego's all-everything shortstop, on a fluky-type swing. I mean, is this a sign of things for the Padres? Because, I don't know, it just that swing and him to have that kind of injury did not look good for, to me. Um uh, Robbie, did you see the injury or? I, I did see the injury. I will say, um, not being a professional athlete myself, but I did run a few marathons back in the day. And the schedule of training and the regimen is so strict. And like, the, the, like LeBron James, who never gets hurt ever, has got hurt this year. And so this all this short. The offseason, this flip of the, of the schedule to offseason, tr- spring training, everything is different. And uh, these players are going to – this is the first time in their pro career that, that they're dealing with this kind of thing. And then add the fans in the stand, the fans coming back. There, I think there's a lot of variables that we just don't know yet. And so uh, it was a fluke injury. But, yeah, it's going to be consequential to the Padres. But – how far do you fall back in baseball with the 162 games? You can weather the storm in that sport more than almost any. Does anybody else get the sense that they're downplaying this? I mean, big time. You know, it's a partially torn labrum. Kind of need that for, like, what he does in the field and at the plate. You know, I, I see all these, you know, you're basically hoping that it heals right as opposed to the surgical alternative. And then – you know, as somebody who's been a fan for a long time, you kind of are on, you know, watching with bated breath, if you will, to see, you know, when's it going to get hurt again? When's the other shoe going to fall? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like you're in kind of denial, but you're right. I mean, it's a long season and they're a talented team. You know, their pitching is outstanding. They'll be fine. But uh, yeah, I just didn't feel like a, I think the Potter's like, no, no, he's not. He's cool. Nope. Look over here. Look over here. He's fine. So uh, you that's know, my I, I I had a little sense of that too because, and it, and it's and I don't want this because Tatis is just a remarkable player, and I I, I want to help me. I want to I want to see Fernando Tatis play, um, but I did tear my labrum at one point playing softball, ironically. But I was a fat thirty eight year old man, and it took me about a year to swing the bat correctly. Now, with that said, I think it will take him some time to get healthy. And, you know, again, we started off with the Dodger bullpen problem. We probably are looking a little bit uh, to try to find a problem there. But I, I re- go ahead, Robbie. No, I was going to say, well, like health is one thing. And then baseball so mental also. This is a young kid with enormous pressure on him. And this is Absolutely. – and. I don't know his upbringing to comment on. I'm sure he had, had a rough life coming up. But as a professional athlete that's getting paid $300 plus million over a 10-year contract, this is a lot of pressure. And, and he's going to feel pressure to come back. And I hope for his sake he does not come back before he is healthy, both physically and mentally. It couldn't have been that rough. His pops was a 10-year or so league guy, so – but no, you're right. I mean, it's uh, 
you know, as a Dodger fan, I don't want to be, I don't want any other team to have excuses. And as a fan of the game, this is one of the great young stars. Uh, I, I want to watch him play. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've commented previously on my lack of baseball knowledge. I I, I was going to, I was going to give you, I was going to give you a little praise. You were well versed. Yeah, man. You were were crushing it. You, you, that's, that's like, that's like leaps and bounds I had a few weeks ago. So <laughs> good job. Good job. So let's move on more to uh, maybe your area expertise. And uh, Rog, too, I know he saw these guys a couple of times. Tennessee is coming off a real disappointing basketball season where us, including Rob and I, set, set expectations for this basketball team that were probably too high. But now we sit here and – both Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson have declared for an NBA draft. Keon Johnson, most mocks I've seen him has had him from 8 to 12. Uh, Jaden Springer, back half of the first round. I personally thought during the year I saw Jaden Springer play better than Keon Johnson at times. Uh, I, I'm thinking in my head that maybe Jaden Springer is the better, better prospects down the road. Robbie, what do you see as these two phenomenal young players coming off a disappointing year? What is their NBA future? So, well, uh, let me start off by saying, Raj, congratulations on the USC transfer commit you guys just got. Uh, it's going to be a huge help next year. Um, it's like so, our Super Bowl transfer. So, market. this is a intriguing question because. A couple reasons. Well, one, Keon is going to get drafted in the top 10, I would think. I would think. But but to a bad team where Springer is going to get drafted in the 20 to 30 range, but to a good team. And so that good team is going to let Springer come along slower and more fit into the play. Like, they both play defense well. And so if you play defense, especially in this three-point shooting NBA league, you're going to be at – you're always going to have a spot. You're 6'6", 6'5", 6'7". You can play – you're a wing guard. You can you can play. Um, so I think there's going to be more pressure on Keon. Um, and I think if he goes to, say, like Sacramento, man, I just hope – that he doesn't just die in the abyss of that franchise um, where you look at, Hey, you know, does the heat get Springer and pair him with what they've got already? So more than anything in the NBA, when the, when you're drafting 19 year olds, you're drafting potential. And if you can surround them by talent and let them grow, you're in a much better situation. So, Money, yes. If you're looking at money, you'd rather be Keon. If you're looking at longevity and situation, I'd rather be Jane Springer. And so, it, 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 and I think we're going to talk about this later in the in the NFL situation in the NFL draft. It's all about situation. They both have talent. They both can defend, and they will both get better as scorers. But um, situation is everything in the NBA. You know, uh, I thought when seeing the two, I think Springer's the more polished player, and they're both exceptional players. Um, and I know that Vol Nation can't be thrilled with two lottery picks and uh, a first-round exit and then another guy with pawns leaving. But um, yeah, I thought Springer's more polished, but what I saw with Keon Johnson, man, the ceiling is super high. Um, you know, just like Springer, he's, what, like 6'5"? He plays so much bigger than he is, but he also plays smaller. He's slithery, uh, you know, great defender. His arms are so long he gets in every passing lane, and his athleticism is is free. Uh, So although he's not as polished as Springer, I mean, they're both, you know, you can't miss him. I I think they'll both be fine in the NBA, especially since they play defense, uh, and nobody else really does, so that should be job security. But, um, no, I, I thought... Johnson's ceiling is higher, but Springer's is the more polished product. Yes, and, and we'll add one more thing. Like the what's not a foul in college is always a foul in the NBA. So you get you get the ball, 
you get the ball and you drive to the lane, it's always a foul in the NBA. It, this whole jump straight up in college, it's not a foul. Um, they can both manufacture free throws. I've recently uh, I subscribed to NBADraftStock.com. I heard several people on that, a few of the experts, comparing uh, Keon Johnson to Jalen Brown. Um, and, and, you know, to me, that's, as Robbie said, a lot of projection to get to that point. But the one thing you, you, you do see, and this is to Rob's point, uh, Roger's point, I think Keon, even though he's the higher pick, is much more raw. And it looks like Jaden's a more finished product at this point. Robbie, is Keon a guy when he does go to one of these bad teams? Is your biggest fear, as you said, them expect him to play 25, 30 minutes off the get-go? Or does he need a situation where he can play 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and learn how to be an NBA player? Um, yeah, and that's a great question. Like, so, yeah, like if he went to, let's say, Charlotte or, I mean, Atlanta, like it's, it's just these terrible teams have been terrible for so long. They want hope. Uh I don't think you're getting this hope from Keon Johnson. I think you're going to get a work in progress. You need a coach that is going to develop them. Um, for instance, hey, if I if I'm Keon, like if if I if my ideal pick for Keon Johnson would be San Antonio or Boston, let me get with Greg Popovich or Brad Stevens. Let them develop me. Let them let me let let them coach me. Um, I'm not, he is not a savior. I don't, I, even with Cade Cunningham or Mobley out of USC, I don't think there's a savior franchise player in this year's draft. I just don't. Um, so not even, so let's put it this the way. Um, and I do tend to agree with you. This draft to me, we've talked about being three deep. Even the three at the top are, Role, there's not a surefire superstar, Michael Jordan, uh, Scottie Pippen kind of guy in this draft right now that you see. Well, how often does that really happen? I mean, I see a ton of kids that in the NBA, they're going to have a lot more space. You know, I mean, these skills, guys like Evan Mobley, a seven footer who can handle the ball like a point guard um, and Cunningham. I mean, for six, eight, he could probably play like kind of, he's a magic Johnson esque in the 1980 finals against Philly playing all five positions, offense and defense. If he had to, um, I, I think Cunningham, I mean, he solved so many problems and he's a really good player and he's a good kid. Um, Suggs probably impressed me the most up until uh, the championship game. He just looked tired, but that kid's got stuff you can't teach. Those three right there. And then you got Jalen Green and Kuminga and these guys that went. I didn't see a lot of them. But, I mean, I would argue otherwise. I, I would say that I think there's a lot of guys who have serious high potential and ceiling that can really change a team. I mean, and especially those top four or five guys. Yeah. I, I guess my point would be um, for the way basketball set up, high school is too easy for these guys. College is a crapshoot, and you get into a new profession. I remember Ben Simmons. He was he was the next LeBron James, except he he could shoot against high school kids. Couldn't shoot in college, and now he he can't shoot in the pro. He, he will not shoot in the pros. And so, like, yeah, he's good. He was the number one pick, but. I don't think any of these guys coming out were as highly rated as Ben Simmons was. I agree. I agree. I, I think it's well discussed. Now, I've got a surprise for you guys. So, uh, we've got a special guest joining us. So, let me uh, add him to the add him to the mix here. Oh, can we, skip, can we skip to uh, uh, Justin Fields now? Justin? <laughs> So, well, so this is. Well, I brought my Ohio State just for that. Uh, so, uh, Raj and Robbie, uh, Brandon joins us back from the earlier air hour. 
he said he hadn't finished his cigar, so he was going to join us for the oh, yeah. uh, Justin Fields segment. So, y'all, take your shots at him. I thought <laughs> hey. he did great. Hey, I did. I, I enjoyed that segment uh, of the whiskey and the cigars. Yeah, uh, you might not, not as good as the information on suburban. Not by me, not, but might educate you to Google it or something. It's not. It's not <laughs> as good as the three R's, but hey, it's a good lead up. You're like around the horn for PTI. <laughs> I can open up for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So this brings us to it. Now, uh, we've discussed this earlier, and we kind of talked about it. I'm a lifelong Falcons fan, and I'm going to give you some scenarios that I think is going on with the draft. Y'all are going to be my GMs, and I pretty well know where Brandon's going to go already. But the Falcons at number four hold probably a lot of what's going to happen in the draft in their hands. They've been several teams. Uh, there's rumors that the Cowboys would like to come up from 10 to take Kyle Pitts at four. Uh, there's talk of several teams moving up and I think I sent you all that earlier today. Got to find my own notes. The line's at seven moving up to take a quarterback. Don't really understand that. You just trade it for Justin Goff. The Cowboys at 10 moving up to take Pitts. The Vikings at 14. And we'll, let's start there. The Vikings at 14. Is Kirk Cousins still a viable NFL quarterback? And we'll go... Let, Robbie, let me open you up there. What is Kirk Cousins now at this point in his career? Kirk Cousins is a fantasy football winning quarterback. He is a guy that with nothing to play for will get you those weeks 16 and 17 wins and he will, he will win the championship. That um, you have yet to. <laughs> um, well, I have back in 05, but that's not, we'll, we'll digress. Um <laughs> <laughs> now, I well, well, one, let me just if Atlanta trades out of this pick and they don't pick Pitts, they are making a gigantic mistake. This is a matchup nightmare. And oh my god, if they pick Justin Fields and just Falcon the bleep out of the draft then just do it like you cannot pick a project quarterback when there is a home run matchup nightmare sitting there for you i would not trade this pick i there's no way you have you have jacksonville's going quarterback new york jets going quarterback san francisco going quarterback you have your guy at four draft him be happy for the next 10 15 years so, Raj, yeah, man. Incidentally, uh, real quick, Kuiper has uh, Miami trading up into the four spot to take Pitts for what that's worth. But uh, interesting. Yes, sir, my apologies. Uh, do you not? I mean, I've saw more and more talk about different people coming up for Pitts. To me, Pitts is the surest thing in this draft. Raj, do you think? Do you think that Matt Ryan has enough left on the wheels that you can spend this pit on pits? Or if you're Atlanta and somebody offers you two number ones, a number two, and a number three, do you just got to get out of there? It's a tough call. Um, you know, Sewell is a pretty close to a, a near guaranteed thing. The, the tackle out of Oregon, even though he sat out last year and – and I think Atlanta, you know, you saw a marked improvement when they signed Alex Mack a few years ago. Um, hey, I can't uh, recall what they're doing. Brandon, can you kill the TV? It's breaking the feed. Yep. All right. Thank <laughs> you, sir. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, better? You, you know, yes. OL, much better. OL yes. is, uh, is a huge concern for Atlanta. And, you know, you trade down and you get two or three number ones and – you know, the, but I see your point. They've got Julio Jones is, I think, the prime, maybe at the end of his prime, whatever that means. Uh, Thirty-two. You know, team that offensively can put uh, thirty-two. Uh, you and know, Ridley. 
Ridley's yeah, I mean, it's 20. a team that can put up 35 points every game. So you add pits and it's wow. You know, and when Tony Gonzalez went there, I think Tim Beach, what's up? Uh, you know, Gonzalez opened up that offense even more. And Pitts is, is very similar, not as good of a blocker, but I mean, you couldn't stop that offense. You could not stop it. So, yeah, I mean, Pitts is a freak, and, and I'd have a tough time passing him up, even though offensive line is probably the smart decision or trading back. All right, Shane, you're on here. You're the Ohio State guys, I guess, tonight. You said it earlier. Now, let me tell you what the national perception is that is. Justin Fields, who is a, and I'll say it again, is an Atlanta guy from the Atlanta area, but, you know, will be the most popular player in that franchise since Michael Vick. But is he a finished product? Because the perception is he's far from a finished product, I guess, in the media. You know, I I think being an Ohio State fan, yeah, you want to root for your guy. But the, the smart pick is, is Pitts or, or trade back. Um, if they do take Fields, he is a work in progress uh, for sure. Um, he's got a high high ceiling, though. I mean, he, he's got potential. Uh, I mean, I think he ran a 4-4 pro day. Um, he, he, can, he can scatter. He does his best work when he scatters. Uh, he's got a cannon. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's – it's a big gamble as any, you know, NFL quarterback draft is. Um, but I, I agree with the guys. I, I think, I think it's pits or, or trade back. Well, you know, when you Brad, look at, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Right on. When you look at, uh, and I agree with Brandon, I think he's the best of the Ohio state bunch, but you know, I always have to go back to Southern Cal People would uh, wonder why guys at USC played so well in college and wouldn't do well in the pros. Well, number one, they were probably taking a pay cut. Uh, but number two, uh, you know, they were coached up where they were or they were just surrounded by sometimes better talent than the team that's going to pick them early. And you look at all the Ohio State QBs drafted since 2004. Craig Krenzel, Troy Smith, Terrell Pryor, Cardale Jones, uh, Dwayne Haskins, which, you know, he – probably had a better – well, actually, didn't have a better season than Fields, but uh, probably better on the ground. Uh, and now Fields. I do think Fields is different from those guys, but, you know, it's hard with that team because, you know, they're, they're NFL every spot on that offensive line and fullback. And uh, it, it's hard sure. to tell who can really – you know, mentally especially, you know, none of those guys have done anything. And it's yeah, I mean, you got to consider – Ohio State has not been the best class for quarterbacks, uh, you know, in the NFL. They they do well in college, but the transition there is just not there. Their typical systems in the past few years have, have been more geared towards college um, and, and have played well in college. Uh, more of a defensive uh, lineman, linebacker, and running back, occasional tight end in there for Ohio State, but that's why it's always a gamble. You, n- you never know. The Big Ten's always iffy. Um, you, you know, Dwayne Haskins broke all kinds of Big Ten records, but uh, he had a cannon on him, but just didn't really have it uh, between the ears. Um, Fields, I, I feel, has has a better head on his shoulders. He's got a ton of potential, really high upside, uh, maybe one of the better prospects that have come out of Ohio State as a quarterback. But, you know, again, it's a gamble. So, yeah, you just never well, know. As I'm not a Falcons fan, so I, yeah, I hope they Falcon it up. I'm going to pause my camera real quick and uh, turn on a little bit of light. I'm getting a little dark out here. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, I will say this, though. Uh, I listened to uh, Lewis Riddick on ESPN and give him full credit for this. He said, this guy's 6'5, runs a 4'3. You're talking about Randy Moss without baggage. And yes. it hey, I, I'll draft him and I will go quarterback, 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 quarterback until I find someone that can throw the ball to him. I would I would never let 
this much of a matchup problem pass me by. Robbie, I want to follow up with a question, and then all three of you can give me an answer. And, and, and Brandon kind of hit it for a second. Brandon yeah. pays electricity bill. Hey, yeah. Hey, welcome back, Brandon. I sold a uh, couple bottles of bourbon. <laughs> hey, bro, great job by you and Lenny earlier too. But thank you. Is 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 Dwayne Haskins hurting Justin Fields right now? Because Wall was a complete failure in Washington. That's me first. Help. Yeah, yeah, yeah Robert. Um, you know, I look back on the Florida quarterbacks never working on out in the NFL or the Florida state quarterbacks never working out. Um, yeah, I think slightly, but the people that do that for a living don't really do. I mean, they don't think like we think. And so I just think it's, it's where you get drafted and what system you get drafted into. Um, I'm going to be – I am intrigued by Urban Meyer in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. And um, it's going to be Urban Meyer's system with a quarterback that can run his system. Does it work in the NFL? Does it not? I don't know, but we will see. Um, but you have these people that just – these arrogant you – don't, you don't become an NFL coach if you don't have just an absurd level of arrogance. And they will fit your system or they won't work. And so Haskins, he probably didn't get a fair shake. And, again, with a bad team. And it's all about drafting. Who are you with? Um, I mean, if Andrew Luck was drafted by, say, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I bet he has five championships. But instead, he was drafted by the Colts, who let him almost die on the field because they couldn't protect him. And so those things matter. Raj, uh, give us a little follow-up to that, and then we'll go to Brandon next. Is the perception – I agree entirely. Is the perception – it, it doesn't help fields, that's for sure, but you know, it depends on what people are looking at. Like Robbie said, you know – Watch Sam Darnold as an example. He went to the Jets yeah. and just a disastrous coach. He's still Sam Darnold, and I watched a ton of him, and I think he's going to crush it in Carolina with all those weapons, a good offensive line, uh, you know, a, a smart system with rule there. Um, they coach him up well. You know, he, he went to the worst team on earth, and, you know, Haskins basically did the same thing at the time, the Washington football, whatever they are. Uh, you know, just awful. And I can't even remember who was the coach then. Was it a Shanner? Shanner Rat, as I call him? Was it Shanahan? I can't even remember, but no, I think it was it didn't, didn't, Gruden, I think, wasn't it? Was yeah. it Jay oh, yeah, my bad. Jay, Jay Gruden. Gruden. Yeah. Uh, Jay Gruden. As a Raider fan, that's, that's a, another story altogether. <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it, they should be thought of independently. I mean, if people group them together, that's that's silly, but um. It, I don't think it helps Fields in any way, but I, I mean, also he's a kid to me that I didn't see it as much as Brandon did, but I did see a kid with some maturity issues and, you know, when you're hyped that much and QB1 and all that stuff. I know it was some time ago when he transferred and he's grown up. Um, so, you know, I guess we'll see. But, you know, a lot of this is comes to this player's experience, his background, uh, socioculturally, otherwise, you know, it, it's just a crazy transition to suddenly get paid millions of dollars in the hopes of 10 million people on your shoulders and you're brand new and you're not used to the speed of the game or anything. So they should be judged separately is my point, but I'm curious to see how Fields responds. Brandon, uh, same question to you. Is it, yeah. is the perception of Dwayne Askins hurting Justin Fields and is it all perceptions that's probably as him. I mean, because when the year started, I think, or what the year ended, everybody assumed Lawrence won, Fields too. I think that's a fair where we thought oh, yeah. it would be at. So Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, I think it does on paper and in the media, for sure. 
um, like Robbie said earlier, it's a hundred percent different when you have these NFL scouts um, doing complete different analysis than than what the media does. Um, like I said, he's got he's got high upside in my opinion, but do I know the the down right statistics and and scout per or perception? No. Uh, so that that's up to them. And, and again, it's systematic. Um, I, I totally believe that. And you've seen a lot of great NFL players just not ever make it or, or fail for several years. Look, look at Ryan Tannehill. Perfect example. Yeah. Um, w- went to Miami was, was terrible, was injured, uh, just, just struggled. And he gets put in the right system with the right coaches, the right belief. And, you know, his statistics last year were every bit as good, if not better, than Patrick Mahomes, which is perceived as the number one quarterback in the NFL. So um, it, it, system is, is 60 70% of it. Uh, well, they're all talented. Um, put them in the right system. Well, yeah, and Brandon, to your point, uh, and I watch PTI every day, and like PTI did an April Fool's joke where it was like, oh, the Jags are going to take Justin Fields. Urban Meyer loves him. And I was like, I mean, I knew it was the premise of the joke, but I was like, that's not a bad joke. Like, I mean, like, hey, I could totally see Urban Meyer saying, hey, Justin Fields fits what I want to bring to the NFL. Like, I could totally see it happening. He, You know, you don't have many people that can run that fast, throw that hard. Um, and if you want to simplify, if it's possible to simplify the NFL that much, then I mean, that's what that's exactly what uh, the Arizona coach is doing. Uh, what's his name? Cliff, Cliff Kinsbury, right? Kinsbury. That's what he's doing in Arizona, simplifying the NFL. Well, the same thing when Chip Kelly got on the map, um, the first year, I mean, nobody could handle him, nobody could figure out his system, it was completely systematic. He was like yeah. that in Oregon. He was like that everywhere. And when he got to the NFL, nobody could adjust as quickly. And it, it took a year or so. After, you know, a year and a half, it, it really fizzled out. But, you know, that system, it prevailed that first year because nobody could catch up to it. It yeah. didn't matter who his quarterback was. Absolutely. And I think that's a great – we could sit here and talk about that one thing all night. I think as a Falcons fan, we end up trading out of that. What's going to what's going to shock everybody? And, and, and here's here's this here, Robbie. This might be the greatest falking the draft. They trade to pit to New England. New England comes up to four, drafts Fields or Lance, and wins a Super Bowl in year two. That would be what the Falcons would do. Well, what are so in that scenario? What are the Falcons doing? Are they trying to win now or build for the future? Or you have an old quarterback and Julio Jones and Ridley, and you have talent, but you're not trying to win now. You're trying to just build draft picks. I mean, I mean, I guess that is just falconing it up. Uh, yeah, I think it, they're just it's cursed. That's what he's trying to say. As a longtime yeah. fan, they're. They're going to watch somebody else win their championship with the guy they could have picked. Yeah, and very that's very well put. So let's probably in on. Atlanta too. <laughs> in, in the in the new Mercedes Benz domes. So we're on a hard stop tonight, and I, I don't want to miss this subject. And but let's let's move on to the next thing, and we'll try to keep it to ten minutes. And then we'll head to uh, bull market, bear market, and run through some stuff fast, and then get some bets at the end of this, but announced this week. And most of us are in the Chattanooga area. A couple of you grew up over in the, over past the mountain. And Roger has been in the area a while. Past a Uh, lot of mountains. Yeah. It was announced that what I call the second best rivalry in Chattanooga in, in East Tennessee was going to be, discontinued after 92 years i think it was one a superpower south pittsburgh who just hired 
a former CFL head coach to coach a 1A team and 3A powerhouse, Marion County, which the schools are about five miles apart, announced that they were no longer going to play. Now, I used to be the voice of South Pittsburgh. I've called these games. I know a lot of people in the community are just devastated. But for competition purposes, I believe the schools think this is best. What is it when competition move us, moves a rivalry game aside? What is it is pure there? Uh, this is to me would be like UCLA not playing USC, Alabama not playing Auburn. Uh, so, Robbie, you brought this to the table. Were you as shocked as I was when you heard that they're no longer going to play? You know, I don't know if shock's the right word. It was just disappointment. And I didn't go to either of those schools. Um, I'm from around the surrounding areas, but never really cared that much about it. But I've read about it in the press conferences and the press. And all this. What, it, what bothers me is the reason why. And the... And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I've got this right. The South Pittsburgh coach, Coach Jones, who was just recently hired, said he is worried about a fight between South Pittsburgh and Marion County, which will kick them out of the state playoffs for two years. Well, here's an idea. Tell your players not to fight. Like, (laughs) hey, whatever happens, don't do it. Just if you're provoked, don't react. Like, like, it's just such a cop-out to me. And I know and I, I was reading uh, it's twenty dollars to $25,000 of gate money for the, the hosting team. And I believe South Pitt, because it got canceled this year because of COVID, the player tested positive. But I believe South Pittsburgh – I may have that backward. Marion County may have agreed to let South Pittsburgh host next year, which they weren't supposed yes. to. To yes. get twenty to twenty five thousand dollars in revenue to keep the rivalry going, and then now they're not doing it, and it's just—I mean, it's just a—it it is even not being part of it. I know Brandon played. Uh, uh, Brandon was an all-star linebacker at Franklin County, and I'm sure he played Franklin or Marion or South Pittsburgh. I was not that skilled, um, but I. But it was—it's a huge deal around the Tennessee Valley, those that rivalry, and it's just disappointing. And I think it's just egos of adults that just just shut up and play. So to your point, a, well, go ahead. Well, I got a question for you, Randall, who knows better than anybody. Um, you know, I, I read this is the second oldest rivalry in all of Tennessee. You yes. know, pre World War II, 1930s, 40s. You know, it's one thing for COVID, you know, again, I'm a USC guy and they played Notre Dame every year. It was the first intercontinental rivalry there was. They used to ride the train for four days to play the game. This was the first time they didn't play it. When I was reading about this, it seems like like you sort of allude towards, and I was going to ask you, you know, one coach got mad. It looks like he, you know, he's taken over the program, wants to clean it up, but then it's widely suspected that the other coach or somebody from the other program, Marion County, turned in, you know, the some, one of the Pirates quarterbacks who's supposedly getting paid. And, and I don't know if it's the new coach being like, you know, I, I just want to clean things up, start anew, or this is my punishment to you, Marion County. Um, it's childish regardless. But, yeah, I, I found that far more interesting than I thought I would. Uh, they, and we um, all know that. There is a there is a huge backstory to this, and right now South Pittsburgh is on probation, uh, and, and you know all, and it's hard for me because I work, I'll cover both of these teams and uh, Marion County, coached by the way by Dale Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt, Pruitt's father, uh, huh? a high school high school legend. I actually got my start with Coach Pruitt at Plainview High School. He's the first person that let me have a microphone and said, you don't know what you're doing, but go Oh, he's the one that messed it all up. 
Uh, yeah, he's the one. He's the reason y'all are here now. But here's what bothers me, Rog. Um, and there's reasons, and Robbie's right. There's things behind the scenes. But I called three of these games, and I was there for three years. South Pittsburgh High School is a 1A school that has an enrollment of a few hundred kids. One year I called this game, there was an NFL player that was on both sides of the field, or a college football player, and an NFL player on the Marion County side. When you start going through the kids that's played in this rivalry, we're talking about Eddie Moore, you know, a kid that went to Tennessee that was an All-American that played for the Dolphins. Uh, you're talking about history. My friend uh, who just passed was on the first 1969 state championship team at South Pittsburgh, and I interviewed him before I called the game. And he told me, he said, there's no feeling like this game that you'll experience, Randall. And, you know, I'm not a South Pittsburgh guy. I'm not a Marion County guy. When 7,000 people got into a 1A football stadium, it was special. And of all the games I called, I've been lucky enough to call South Pittsburgh, uh, uh, Marion County. I've called Sequatchie County, Bledsoe County. I've called North Jackson and Scottsboro. I hate the kids are not going to get to experience this game because I think it's a game when you win it, you talk about it for a lifetime. It's only 60 minutes of football, but when you're 50 years old, you and your buddies are going to be sitting around going, hey, you remember that night we beat Marion County? And that's what I feel like is robbed by them not playing. Well, so, I agree, Randall. Uh, sorry to jump in over y'all. No, go ahead. I was going to you. You got it. Uh, no, so I don't know much about that rivalry. I haven't read anything about it. Um, but just being a former football player uh, in high school, uh, our rival was Tullahoma. And, you know, I hate it for the kids because it is. It, it's it's a bragging right, you know, for however long. Um, and it's it's a game of a lifetime. It's it, when you have that rivalry in in high school, uh, it seems seems to me more. So uh, to me, like, I think the heart kind of dissolves in football sometimes yeah. from high school to college to NFL becomes about, you know, the dollar and, you know, all that other stuff. I, I think you really get a lot of that heart. And because a lot of these kids, 90% of 95% of them are not going to play college football. Uh, I mean, they, they may play their last game against their rival team on that field and right. to deprive them of that, you know, win or, or whatever is it's kind of sad that, you know, the po po politics or political whatever gets involved and, and just deprives the kids of it. So they're absolutely I mean, right. There, there is, there is no shame at all in South Pittsburgh. If you're a student at South Pittsburgh, if you're a football player, going 0-4 against Marion County, but there's a whole heck of a lot of pride about going 1-3 against Marion County, and you beat them one of those times. Absolutely. That, that's special, and that Absolutely. shouldn't be taken away from those kids. Yeah, and, and lately it's been, it's been the South Pittsburgh kids going four and zero against Marion County. So yeah, I you're right. I could have messed that up. <laughs> but yeah. you get we the do. point. Yeah. We get yeah. However, hey, we get break. the point. Real quick, you know, yep. in 1966, right. Al, you there? I said it in 1966. Yeah. Al Bundy right. scored four touchdowns for Poke High <laughs> against Andrew Johnson High School. Hey, and that was the greatest moment oh. in his life against this rival. It was. I think we had hey, it. It was. Hey, fun fun facts of the day. I hit the winning run off of Brandon. He Brandon was pitching in Little League one year. I, I hit the winning run off of him. I don't even think Robbie plays baseball at all. <laughs> so that's that's your four touchdown moment, huh, Robbie? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Big, bro. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, unfortunately, I'm running out of out of battery and I'm running out of time. We're on a hard stop. So we're going to do a couple of real fast segments here, five minutes each or less. The first one we're going to start to 
for and I can never remember. I think we want a bull market is good and a bear market is bad. I'm gonna ask a couple of questions and you give me the first thought you have when I bring up these subjects, all right? So we'll start with Robbie on the first one. Robbie, did Major League Baseball punish the city of Atlanta or did they punish the Atlanta Braves or the fans by canceling the All-Star game? So am I bullish or bearish on this? And bullish yeah, is good, right? Bullish is um, good. Yeah, okay. So I am bullish on the decision. Um, I think that, look, companies got to stand up. And uh, Major League Baseball is a company, and you're on the right side or wrong side of this thing. I, I'm of the position that, hey, uh, and not to get too political, but – Hey, it's as, it's as simple. We have one person, one vote, and when you try to take that away, you, then 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 yes, there will be consequences. You can pass laws. You have every right to do that, but there are consequences to those decisions. And so, um, it's a shame because it's it's honoring Hank Aaron. I wish they would have went to Milwaukee, um, especially the Midwest. What they're going through. Um, I was going to go to the game in Atlanta. Me too. I, I, on it um and that in it we, we suffer the consequences of everyone else but yes um i'm okay with it um they have it was corporate responsibility and uh, yeah and, and let's let's just make it easier to vote and everyone should everyone regardless of political party everyone should get out and vote and do so and make their voices heard all right rog same question what do you are you what do you think the ramifications are you supportive Bullish or bearish with the All-Star Game cancellation? You know, probably with the majority of the audience, uh, Rob and I probably don't agree uh, with many. I I'm full-on bullish as well. I, I think when you, you start talking about disenfranchising a population, and, and again, not also not to be too political, it, it's, you know, it is a private organization, Major League Baseball. They have the decision where they want to play it and, and – promote their game and promote the local economy. So it's entirely up to them. And I am quite frankly, uh, again, not to be political, but um, I'm fully on board, just like Rob is, uh, you know, hit them where it hurts. I mean, who is really getting upset at this? Do you think, you know, the voting, uh, voting individual whose, you know, voting rights have been narrowed, if you will, constricted uh, cares? Or is it just going to be, you know, diehard baseball fans like us? Yeah. Bullish. Brendan, Brendan what's your thoughts? Bullish, good, bear, not good. Um, I agree with the guys on this one. Um, <laughs> you know, politics aside, uh, you know, everyone's got the right to vote. And, you know, to, to diminish that as a business, you know, it's just, it's pulling the, um, you know, political card on that point. So I don't know. So I'm going to go bearish, but I go bearish for a different reason. I go bearish because of the local economy and I do understand people's right to do things, but I'm afraid in this effort, some of the people that are going to suffer the most are some of the minority owned businesses in Atlanta and people who, who, who could profit from this. But again, this is not a political show. And it, but the point of it is, a, it is a private industry and they have the right is not lost on me also. So real quick, to move on to the next subject. This time we'll start with Raj. <coughs> Spring football games. Is it the biggest waste of sporting events ever invented? Tennessee's got their spring game coming up next weekend. I'm going, but is there a value to these things? I mean, I personally would probably go bearish on it, but I get it. It's it's like the NFL draft. It's hope. It's when you guys can all start talking about your recruiting class and how you're going to win nine uh, games get, this year. Uh, we, get a, we get a new coach every spring, man. You don't understand. It's not do. recruiting class. We get new you coaches, do. and I have to go up in there and introduce myself and all that good stuff. I mean, you know, I, 
I've never been one for that. You know, I see why Nebraska or, you know, when Tennessee 20 years ago was awesome, was getting 100000 for that. Um, right. To each their own. I, I don't know what you're trying to achieve in in that. It's just, you know, kind of whet the appetite. And again, it, to, to dream big, in my opinion. So uh, I'm bearish personally, but, I mean, do your thing. As long as no one gets hurt, do your thing. Brendan, you ever been to an Ohio State game, a spring game? I haven't. I haven't. Um, for that reason, I just I honestly don't really care. Um, but, you know, I read a lot about it. It's not something I'm super excited about to go to. I think it's um, controlled and managed pretty well between the coaches. I don't think the kids really play as hard necessarily in those games as they would on the field. Um, but again, I, I'm a, a novice at, at that. So, I, you know, my yeah. opinion really doesn't matter. Robbie, you got any thoughts on it? It always matters. As stupid as the NFL preseason is, the spring games are even stupider. Like It is a complete waste of time. It is a game in April when the games start in the fall. It, it, like I, I, I've been to one, maybe one or two. I, I go to check on my apartment up there in Knoxville for the season and get things ready. But good God, no. If they charge me – a quarter, I would not walk through those gates. No, it is so stupid and pointless. Like it, it is. The scoring system is just made up. It's all no. Yeah. There, there's no. There's no bigger waste of time than spring football games. Football. I'll be there. Really close second. It is. It is a close second. But at least. At least you can you can see some injuries, get some fantasy sleepers, maybe a returner. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I sell my preseason tickets. Yeah, <laughs> always. Yeah. Well, the fact you get money for them is amazing. I can't believe uh, you paid for them. Yeah, well, this is the greatest question ever. I love this, Robbie. That answer needs to be sent to the Emmys. I'm telling you, that's the greatest <laughs> answer ever. All right, guys, we're on a hard stop, and we got about two minutes. Rod's come up with a new segment. We're going to try to do it real fast, Brendan. If you don't have anything we understand thank you for joining us again we're on a nine o'clock hard stops but our segment is every week we're gonna bet our nuts and what our nuts amount to is we've got some peanuts and we're gonna put a bet out for everybody for that week and we'll keep track of it loosely and we'll see how we do but i will start this weekend there's a bellator fight and they are at, at plus 143, Andre Orlowski, who's only about two years younger than me, fights a guy named Chase Summons. So I'm going to put 100 nuts on Andre Orlowski to win this fight this weekend on Bellator. Robbie? Oh, man, I had all kinds of notes on my minor league Players going to the major leagues, Byron Buxton playing batting 469, five home runs, how he is playing the majors, one of the top prospects. But nonetheless, we'll get I, to that next week. I am getting to my bet the nuts bet. I am not going to teach people. I am not going to let them wait very long. I got tonight, I think at 915, I've got Trevor Braun pitching for the Dodgers. Money line, you better bet this against the Rockies. They've already lost two once, but Braun, Cy Young winner last year, he is going to come through, bet it all, everything he got, boom, Dodgers win tonight. Rog, Robbie, say those get him notes. Some runs. We'll, we'll, we'll need yeah. those notes next week. I mean, this is a tough one because I usually don't want to put my nuts out there because I don't want to lose them. Um, Although I've been married with a a kid. Yeah. So exactly there. Well, at least I can get him back from her purse. Uh, But, you know, I'm thinking with my heart, which is risking your nuts always uh, and future nut. Okay. I'll leave that one alone. Uh, The Dodgers in San Diego this weekend (laughs) in San Diego. 
Nico. I am betting my nuts on a Dodger series win. Two out of three. I'm All thinking right. sweep, but that's a tough, that's just a boast. But I'm going nuts on the Dodgers. All, All right, right, Brandon. Brick. For the moment, I've actually got one. I'm going to go PGA here. Uh, I'm going to go Jordan Spieth finishing top five at the Open. Um, I feel oh. he, he is on track. He's won there before. Uh, I feel like he, he's close. And I'm actually going to put money on him to win the whole thing. And I think a top five finish is pretty safe at this point. So bet the nuts. Well, hey, Brandon, by the way, can I Venmo you and can you bet on the Dodgers for me tonight since you're in Tennessee <laughs> and it's legal there? Absolutely. All right, I'll, oh. I'll send you money. Guys, I'm sorry we're on a hard stop tonight, but one of us is on vacation and his wife put us on a hard stop, and it's not me. So <laughs> we all know who that one would be. But yeah. uh, anybody got any final thoughts? Robbie, you want to throw some baseball statistics out at us? Final thoughts. I, don't, but I just want uh, you to follow us, like, subscribe, and do all those things that everyone else tells us to do. Oh, yeah, we all – we always forget that. Raj? Uh, yeah, we were going to – it'll come up again. We were going to cuss out the replay system in, in baseball, but uh, it's going to happen again, no doubt. So, you know, reserve your, your oh. judgments on that, and we're yeah. curious as to people's opinions because uh, it blows. Yeah, Robbie, go ahead. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, we, we must talk about that next, that next week. Let's put that on the agenda, replay. Yes, yes. Next week. Uh, and I'm, Mr. A, I'm on a hard, hard stop. Mr. Chain, any final thoughts? Thanks for having me. Uh, just kind of popped in on this one. Wasn't prepared. Uh, hope I didn't embarrass anybody on this one. <laughs> You're, you can't embarrass us. That's not, not my fault. No, we, it was fun. It was fun, boys. We, would, we just did an hour with Lenny. How can we be embarrassed? Right. So. All right, folks, thank you for joining us on River City Media. We'll see you next Tuesday at 8 o'clock and Thursday at 10 for another angle. Good night.